Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. The practice that will propel us into the year ahead is not another strategic plan, but intentional prayer. In this season of hurry and hustle, it is essential to slow down in order to hear from God. Let's leverage the last few weekends of 2019 to speak to God, seek His face, and wait on His reply. As we echo the prayer in Scripture, we can better hear His voice and follow His will. All right, are are you getting used to this yet, or you still feel really awkward? Y'all say hello to your church family over there on that side, come on. Hey, I like this, because I feel really close to y'all, but... But first service, I could also see all the people that were sleeping during my sermon. If I know your name, I will call you out from this platform. So, Christmas is one of those times that's kind of challenging as a pastor. Because, again, it is familiar. You know the pastors, you know the scriptures, if you grew up in church or if you didn't. And so, like, how do we lean into this season in a way that's new, in a way that's fresh, in a way that challenges our hearts in a new kind of way? And every year we kind of feel that desire. But as I said a while ago, like, I really want this Christmas to be different. And for some people in the room, this Christmas is going to be very different. Because what exists in your world this year It's so different than what existed last year. Somebody say amen if you know a year can change a lot. I mean, it can change a lot. And so I don't know where you are in this season. And I understand, too, like the the holidays ain't so happy for a lot of people because it is a reminder of a lot of really hard things. It is a reminder that she's gone, it's over. We're struggling. Like, oh, like it just, it seems like in the holiday season that, that everything is kind of heightened a little bit. Come on, somebody. I mean, especially like, like financially. Like you're having trouble paying the bills, much less buying presents. Oh, y'all, don't look at me like y'all ain't never been there. It's, and, and for so many people, like all this season is, is a reminder of everything that you lack. And like it's hard to focus on anything else. It's a reminder of everything that's missing. But as I read through the Christmas story again, preparing to teach once more in this season, like a line just kind of jumped off the page. And it was that line that Gabriel said to Mary, the very last thing that Gabriel said to Mary, for no word from God will ever fail. Church, do you see the power in that sentence? No word from the Lord will ever fail. No word. Not a single word. So you know what what Christmas really is a reminder of? Christmas is the greatest reminder that God keeps his promise. I know for a lot of people Christmas means a lot. But you know what? Christmas ultimately And all of its wonder really means that God keeps his promise. Or maybe I'll say it like this. If God said it, you will see it. If God said it, you will see it. 
God keeps his promise. And, and maybe that's what we need this year more than anything, is you just need to be reminder that God is a promise maker. Come on, somebody. God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And I feel like we live in this culture that's just kind of not comfortable talking about that anymore. We, we don't really want to talk about that reality, that God is a promise maker, that God does make us promises because it gets us uncomfortable when we start saying, well, God has promised me something. Can we get real? Like, it, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because if you, if you go to somebody and say, God promised me this, I'm like, who do you think you are? Got to be promising you something. That's kind of the reaction we get, right? And, and so many of us, like, we don't even feel worthy to believe that God has made us promise. And the reality is, you're not worthy, but yet he promised you so much anyway. No, like you're not worthy. None of us are. But he still made us promises. And you cannot read the Bible and not see God constantly make humanity a promise and then keep it. A promise and then keep it. A promise. He said he was going to do something for us, through us, in us, with us. Like God constantly from Genesis to Revelation is chock full of him looking at people that are not much different than you and I. I hear preachers say all the time, well, you ain't Moses, you ain't David. No, I'm Matt. And God still says stuff to me too. That God is a promise keeper. And Christmas is that ultimate Example of God keeps his promise because see in the very beginning as soon as humanity fell as soon as sin entered the world God made a promise that he would fix it that it was Eve's sin that broke everything but it would be Mary's son who would fix it but you do realize it was Thousands of years. <laughs> Thousands of years. From the moment sin entered the world to the moment Jesus went to the cross. And maybe that's why we stopped talking about God's promise. Because there's a reality that God taught me several years ago. That God often makes a promise. And there's a lot of promises that God has made us. And so often we find ourselves in a position of promise. And the payoff is so far away we feel like we can't even see it. And this is kind of what we would like. We really want, when God makes us a promise, we don't want all this distance. <laughs> Come on, somebody. When God makes us a promise, we want the payoff to be immediate. Like I want to go from here to here. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? And we've even begun to build that expectation. that It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, God made me a promise, but then he didn't come through. But I've noticed that in just about every situation when God has made a promise, the payoff, the distance between promise and payoff is much greater than any of us would like. Whew. And see, because that reality, when there's this much distance from promise to pray off, to pay off, even 
with that much distance, the payoff even begins to get diluted. And when the payoff gets diluted by the distance, we get distracted. And what happens is we start chasing the wrong thing. Come on, let me know y'all are getting what I'm saying because this feels like it really is good. <laughs> that the, because the distance between promise and payoff is so great and the payoff is so far away, it even gets... It even gets so diluted that often when it comes, we don't even recognize it. That's what happened to the, to, to the nation of Israel. The distance between God's promise of a Messiah and the payoff on Jesus coming to the earth, the distance had been so great they had let their minds get so diluted as to what it was supposed to be and what it was supposed to look like and who he was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do. And did you know that even though Jesus fulfills all of these prophecies, that were foretold hundreds of years before Jesus would come. The very people that should have recognized him did not. And maybe, maybe the reason behind some of our frustration is there's been so much distance between what we feel like God has promised and his payoff that maybe the payoff has been there all along. You're just not recognizing it. Because it's not in the form you thought it would be. It looks different. And see, that's another reason why we get so messed up in this whole promise and payoff thing. Is because sometimes you're expecting God to pay off on a promise he never made. You're frustrated and you're mad at God. Because he didn't pay off on your promise. But he never promised you that. See, one of the things is, the reason why we stop talking about promise is because when we say promise, we hear prosperity. And we all trying to avoid that like the plague. They don't preach the prosperity gospel at that church, do they? And maybe that, like, we, we, we've tried to disassociate ourselves from prosperity that we've lost sight of God's promise. And maybe, maybe prosperity is promised, but maybe our definition and understanding of prosperity has gotten too worldly. Maybe, maybe God has promised that you would prosper, but maybe prospering looks different than you thought it would. Maybe prosperity and pain coexist. And just because there's the possibility of pain does not mean there's pro not promise of prosperity. That those things can kind of coexist in the same way. But here's the reality. Like if you want to know if God's, God will never promise you anything that doesn't align with his purposes. God's promises always align with his purposes. God, God is not going to promise you anything that helps you accomplish your agenda. Only his will. And, and God's promises always align with his purpose. And his purpose is always his glory and our good. First and foremost, his glory. His glory and our good. And now that good that we experience may look really different. But God has promised us many things. And this is... And that, so that word just jumped off the page for me. 
for no word from God will ever fail. Because anybody else like me, like you feel like you're sitting in this position of promise and you look around and you just feel like, feel like God, God, God has more for you. It's okay for you to say that. Like, God, God, I know you got more. I know you've got more for me. I know you've got more for my family. I'm not talking about more of, of the silly little frivolous things, more money, more cars, more. Like, those are nice. But I'm talking about more, more of him, more a deeper understanding, a deeper level of intimacy, uh, more, more than all this worry, more than all this, more. Like, God has promised us so much more. So then the question is, how do we get there? Okay, so we're all going to agree, like, God's, God's a promise maker. God, is, God owes us nothing, but he's promised us many things. We, we, we know, and we know his promises are always going to align with his purposes, and his purposes are for his glory and our good, and, and, and we want to live in that. But so many of us are living in the meantime. Because you know that's what this is, right? The space between promise and payoff is meantime. Anybody ever feel like you spent your whole life in the meantime? And you getting mean because it's in the meantime. And like I'm mean all the time because I've been in the meantime my whole life. Why am I mean? Because I've been in the meantime and it makes me mean. So the question is like why? If, if all that stuff is true, then why are so many of us sitting way back here instead of living in the fullness of the promises of God as a child of his. Well, <laughs> I've been wrestling with that for 41 years. I think so many of us, we hear a promise from God and promise leads to a, to a, a prop. We prop our feet up and wait. We hear promise, we prop and expect him to plop the promise right in our lap. I know that's a lot of peas, but that's just the way my brain works, okay? Go with me. So God makes us a promise, and we prop our feet up, expecting him to plop that promise right in our lap. Like, God, I'm ready. Waiting on you. And you know what he's saying? I'm waiting on you. Because the reality is, even to, exp to experience the payoff on any promise, there's a participation on your part. And this is what we want to do. And I, I don't even think we don't necessarily get that. Right? We understand that there's things that God wants us to do. But this is what we really want. We want to go quick. <laughs> Whoo! Glory to God. Right? It's, it's not the distance of the meantime. It's the duration of it that's frustrating. Come on. That's good preaching. Oh, my goodness. It's not, it's not that this distance bother us. It's not, it's not the pathway, it's, it's the pace. Because we want to go like that, and God says, go like this. I'm moving. Some of y'all are just like, is he moving? Yes, he's moving. And here's the other thing about God. Sometimes he wants you to go like this. God ever done it the easy way for anybody? Like, that's just, like, it's not just going to be this straight, easy line. And the reason why so many of us 
never see the payoff on God's promises is because we mismanage the meantime and we get stuck. Because how you manage the meantime matters. That's the problem with the nation of Israel. You know, the nation of Israel didn't have to take 40 years to get the promised land. They did stupid stuff. That wasn't a requirement. They kept making wrong turns. They kept trying. See, here, here's what we really want to do. We want to go there quickly. And, 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 and if we're not going to manage the meantime properly, there's some things we need to learn. So you ready to learn them together? Come on. Open your Bibles, grab, grab your phones, and let's talk about some really, really important things. Like if you're going to manage the meantime well, if you're going to go from promise to payoff, you have to understand the, the delicate balance of provision and patience. Provision and patience. What's required to manage well this meantime space is being patient and leaning into his provision. And you can be patient because of his provision. You have to trust that even in the meantime that he's working, even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Because he never stops working. Somebody ought to write a song about that. That'd be really good. That provision and patience is necessary. Isaiah 40, 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Those who have patience will receive provision. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That, that we forfeit his, we often forfeit his provision when we get impatient. Because when we get impatient, we lean on our, our strength instead of his. I will do it myself. You ever just got so impatient with God that you just looked at him and says, okay, God, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Y'all ain't looking at me like y'all done it because I know y'all have done it. Just try to take matters into your own hands. All right, God, if you ain't going to give me a job, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go take one. God, if you ain't going to give me a spouse, I'm going to marry the next person that walks through that door. Like we get impatience is necessary for provision, and provision is what leads to patience. And I just, again, remind you that his silence does not mean his absence. Delay is not denial. God is still working on your behalf. And if he has promised it, it will come to pass. I think you also need to understand the combination of perseverance and participation. And, you know, it took me a while to realize there's a difference between patience and perseverance. And I actually looked it up. Patience is the quality of being patient, while perseverance is continuing in a course of action without regard to discouragement, opposition, or previous failure. On this pathway between promise and payoff, perseverance is a must. But so is your participation. And perseverance involves participation. If you're going to manage well in the meantime, you have to understand there is a can and a can't. There are things that you can do and there are things that you can't do. 
And learning to know the difference is vital in getting from promise to payoff. If you're going to experience the payoff on God's promises, there are many things that you got to do. You can't prop and expect him to plop. There are things that you have to do. But you also got to realize, again, there's a can and there's a can't. There's so much that you're going to have to depend on God himself to accomplish. There are things that you can do and there are things that you can't do. And learning how to know the difference is vitally important Psalm, 23, or Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail. Like, like there's going to be a time when I'm working. Why, do you, why would the, the psalmist write this? Because there's a time when, when he was doing his part so much, it wore him out. That means that he was doing his part. But there comes a time, but God's strength, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That when I can't, he can And God's provision is what closes the gap between our can and can't. And if you're going to experience the payoff on the promise, that's what's necessary. So then that begs the question, okay, how do we build patience to trust his provision? How do we persevere and know when to participate? Like, how do do we do all that? Y'all following me? Come on, say amen if you're with me. There's two things that God has been teaching me over this last year more than ever. This has been a challenging year for our church. But if I'm going to experience the payoff on all of God's promises, there's two very specific things that I believe I'm going to have to do. There are two things that I think if we will do these two things, what God would unleash in our lives. You want them? You want them? Intentional prayer combined with unwavering obedience. Is it good? Tony, let me know. That's good. Is that good? Intentional prayer with unwavering obedience. If you combine intentional prayer with unwavering obedience, what you will see God do in your life is more than you can ask or imagine. Because when you pray intentionally, you align your heart with his so that you can have clarity on what his promise. And you can have clarity on what he wants you to do in order to see its payoff. That's how you close the distance. That's how you manage the meantime is with intentional prayer followed by unwavering obedience. That you talk to God, you listen to God, you pursue God. And then whatever and whenever he wants you to do it, you have the courage to do it. But see, it all, I don't want to spend as much time in this series on that unwavering obedience part as much as I do that intentional prayer part. Because that's what I fail to do more often than not. Uh, It's not that I'm not willing to do what God says. I just get confused about what he says because I let my own agenda get in the way. I don't get confused about what God says because he makes it hard to find. I just can't ever get out of my own way. Can somebody relate? Who knows that they're their own worst enemy in the room? You're the biggest, you are the biggest problem in your life. See, last year, as we closed out 2018 and moved into 2019, I was talking with our team. And we basically had this discussion that that 2019, if we were going to experience what God wanted for us, it would be much more about 
intentional prayer and not strategic plan. And see, this is what we want to do. We think the best way to get from promise to play to, to pay off is come up with a really good plan. Who's a planner in the room? Okay, God, you, you said this is going to be? Hmm. I think I can figure out how to get us there. I'm the Google Maps of my own life. And so what I've learned is instead of intentional prayer followed by strategic plan, most often in my life, I come up with a strategic plan and then I intentionally pray, pray that God will bless my plan. God, here's my plan. Bless it in Jesus' name. And then God says, no, I don't want to do that. But I just spent hours coming up with this, God. I don't know if you know this, but I'm really smart. See, that's, isn't that often, most often how we do it? And we almost even justify it. We come up with a strategic plan. But any, plan, any strategic plan that doesn't come out of intentional prayer will not be the pathway to the payoff on God's promise. You got to get the order right. Intentional prayer followed by unwavering obedience. Okay, so then that begs the question, how do we intentionally pray? That, Matt, that sounds really good and all, but how do we really pray intentionally? What God's been teaching me is to pray specifically. Specifically ask God for stuff. Like specifically talk to God. Specifically ask for things. Specifically go to him. Like, like, not, sometimes we pray these really vague prayers. And, and, and I think we think, oh, I'm just being humble. First of all, in your heart, you know that's not what you want. So why don't you just tell God what's in your heart already anyway? Pray intentionally. And you know what? I don't know why we've gotten to this point where we're scared to do that. Do you remember what Jesus said? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children on Christmas, even when they have everything and don't need nothing anyway... How much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Can I challenge you to do something? Have the courage to ask God for anything, but have the character to handle it when he says no. The courage to ask God for anything, but to character, to understand. There's sometimes, but look, I've learned this. God only says no when he has a better yes. That's right. God only says no when he has a better yes. If he's saying no now, it's because he has a better next later. Pray specifically. Remember what James wrote? You desire, but you don't have. So you kill, you covet. You cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You ask for your agenda instead of his glory that you may spend what you get on your pleasures.
that if we're going to pray intentionally, it begins to just pray specifically. Pray, pray specific things over your family, over your life, over your desire. Like, pray specifically. I've been specifically asking God for stuff. And let me just go ahead and give you a disclaimer. Be careful. Because before you know it, you'll be complaining to God about what you once begged him for. Because God just might say yes. Pray bold, courageous prayers, but have the character to handle it if he says no. But if you're really going to pray intentionally, not only do you have to pray specifically, but can I challenge you to pray scripturally? To actually pray the word of God. Did you know that so much of the word is a prayer? And what if you began to just echo the things that are in Scripture? That's really what the word resound means, is to echo, to be filled or echo with a particular sound. What if you began to pray specifically, scripturally, like pray the word of God? God challenged me to do this over the last year, and just God started drawing me to certain things in Scripture. Do you know there's, certain, there's prayers in Scripture that people, men and women, all throughout the Bible that spoke, that cried out to God, and they were powerful, and they were effective. And God's just been leading me, well, like just to start praying those same prayers, to pray the Scripture. You want to pray in a way that aligns with God's heart? What better way than to pray His Word? To specifically pray scripturally from the word of God. So I started doing that this year. God started drawing me to different passages of scripture that I've been praying over the last several months. And over the next few months or the next few weeks, what we're going to do is I'm going to share four specific prayers that God has been leading me to pray so that I can start moving towards what he's promised. And one of the first ones was God just started, God just started reminding me that, that, that he was a God of more. Every time I get to this season of, of the year, I get drawn back into Ephesians chapter 3. And I think I've shared it during this Sunday almost every single year in the existence of our church. Because as we're kind of coming to a close of one year and moving toward another, I'm just reminded now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you will able to ask or imagine according to his great power that has worked within us, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That it says God is a God of more. And I know he has more for me. And I know he has more for our church. I know that, that we that we are just getting started with what God wants to do to this place. And if you hear that and you start thinking, no, no, like it's not about becoming a bigger church by any stretch of the imagination. I actually love this because I feel so much closer to y'all today. But I made a commitment to God that we would leverage this place to get as many people to heaven as we possibly could. And God has just been reminding me over the last year, there's still more people to reach. There's still more people that are lost. There's still more people that are living without hope that Jesus has come to give. And so God led me to start praying the prayer of Jabez. Y'all familiar with the prayer of Jabez? A guy wrote a, wrote a book about him several years ago. If you go into 1 Chronicles chapter 4, the prophet is giving a genealogy. And when it's basically just in this name and this person and they brought this person and this person. And then all of a sudden, er, 
he stops to say something specific about a man named Jabez. First Chronicles chapter four, verse nine says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So he didn't really get off to a good start. At some point, Jabez has led to this prayer and the ramifications of it were so huge that as this book is being written, stop, pause in the middle of this genealogy to take note of this. Jabez cried out to God, the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. He prays this just few sentences, and it almost feels selfish. It almost feels self-serving. But God knew his heart and knew that the reality of this desire for expansion wasn't coming for any kind of self-serving reasons. You know how I know that? Because God wouldn't have said yes if that was his motivation. It says, Lord, if th- that you would bless me so that you could expand my territory, that you would give me more so that I would have more to give. So that you would bless us in such a way that you would expand our influence outside of this place and take more territory for your good and glory, Lord. I started praying that a few months ago. And y'all, God is opening up some new doors for our church. And in 2020, we're going to be able to reach more people than we ever have. And we're going to be giving you some specifics about what that means as this series evolves, I started praying that prayer. And it was just a matter of weeks before all this stuff started unfolding. What happens when you pray intentionally and you're unwavering in your obedience? God shows up and does amazing things in your life. And I'll be honest with you, I am scared to death right now. That's another way you know it's a promise from God. If it don't scare you, it ain't probably from God. And I'm drowning in what I don't feel like I can do. The enemy's constantly putting my can't in front of me. You can't, Matt. You can't. I know those stories. I know those things. I know you're insecure. Like, you can't do this. You can't lead this movement into the next season. You you can't. And God has been reminding me this. Matt, if you would do what you can, I will do what you can't. If you would do what you can, he will do what you can't. I don't know where you are in this meantime season. I don't know where you are on this spectrum, but I know this. If you would do what you can, he will do what you can't, and you will get through it. Your God is a promise maker. He is a promise keeper. If he said it, you will see it. So this season, we're going to lean in, and we're going to be reminded, not that trees and gifts and all these things are going to just consume this season, but we're going to be reminded that Christmas is the greatest reminder that our God keeps his promises. Stand on your feet and give God a shout of praise this morning. Father, we are so grateful 
that you are not only a promise maker, but you are a promise keeper, that anything you say, we will see, that you are constantly working in our lives, that you have more for us, and that if we have heard a promise from you, the payoff is somewhere in the distance. And even though the distance between that promise and that payoff is far greater than we would like, we will trust you along the way. We will walk a pathway of obedience with patience and perseverance, knowing that you are good and that you are with us and that you fill in the gaps of what we can do and what we can't. And we will trust you, Lord, to keep working in our lives. We will trust you to show up. And we will not give up. We will not waver. We will not be afraid. We will not operate in fear or insecurity. But we will look to you to do all the things necessary, God. And this Christmas, we will not allow ourselves to get consumed by the other things. But this will be the season where faith rises up in our spirit like never before, knowing and believing that you are good and you are able and what you have said will come to pass. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say with a shout of praise, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.